Playing the ukulele badly because this podcast is self-produced. Weird stuff has happened in the past and here I am to tell you about it. I guess. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Absurd Real History. Hello and welcome to Absurd Real History, the podcast where I talk about things that I just think are insane that actually happened to various comedic guests. I am so excited to have the wonderful comedian, writer, and artistic director of Mob Theatre Dublin, the fantastic Erin McGathy. Hello. Hi. Hi, Thanks for having me. Hi. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much. So Erin has no idea what we're going to be talking about today. The story that I'm talking about today, I find so insane that I wrote an entire play about it. Oh, wow. (laughs) We are talking about Dublin's pig-faced lady. Oh, Exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, have you heard of um, pig-faced women in general, the mythology of it? <laughs> I mean, I, I've heard of people, uh, women being marginalized for not l- looking attractive, but specifically pig-faced women, I have not heard of that. No. There was a, a movie in 2006 with Christina Ricci, but oh, in yes, Hollywood- Oh yes, I have seen that, yeah. Yeah, that follows, that's all based in all of the mythology and all of the folklore that was around in Europe for about 200 years. Oh, wow. Penelope. I think I yeah. recently rewatched that for some reason. I watched it too as research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it's so funny because it's like they, everyone's acting like she's this horrible creature, but it's the beautiful Christina Ricci with just this tiny little nose. I know. Yeah. <laughs> And she has like a very cute scarf in it, right? And she hides her hides her face with her scarf. Yes, it's an adorable scarf. Like it, very like uh, the way people wear, uses masks now to kind of cover oh, yeah. it up. She'd get away with it a lot more these days, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so just Grizel, there's Dublin's pig-faced woman. So, but before that, I just want to talk about the myth of it. So, um, in the 1600s these stories of pig-faced women started cropping up simultaneously almost in Holland, France, and England. And they kind of stayed for 200 years. Um, It's ridiculous. And they have a lot of things in common. They were always rich women, um, Mm. usually unmarried, usually um, some sort of witch was involved. (laughs) And the the story was that they literally had the face of a pig everything else was normal but they had a face of a pig okay yes so in general it was like the body of a woman but the face of a literal pig not like kind of Christina Ricci cute yeah and yeah and a lot of the time they said they couldn't speak because their vocal cords were pig vocal cords so they responded (laughs) in grunts right okay and this legend it existed for 200 years and there's various pig-faced women throughout history that keep popping up they usually came up in like newspapers um or tabloids people proposing ma- like there's a pig-faced lady of Manchester Square there's one in France Dublin has their own <laughs> one and um, only only ladies no pig-faced men yeah only only ladies um there's not we're not really sure how it originated there's some speculation that it could be from like deformities or another way was a way to explain why a woman wouldn't be married it's (laughs) (laughs) sure because she's rich so it must just be a pig pig faced Hmm. thing um so yeah um every now and again a new story would appear in the tabloids and to cement cement the belief further these creatures um 
people genuinely believed they existed. So in traveling circuses and carnies in the early 1800s, they had pig-faced women in freak shows. Mm. And can you guess what they were? <laughs> what, <laughs> what, the, what the actual performers were? Yeah. Were they were pig pigs wearing dresses? Is that what they were? <laughs> or No, no. <laughs> And um, this is this is a this is a quote um, from the Book of Wonderful Creatures, written in 1869, explaining mm. how one of these they were like they were caught out in the act. The pig-faced lady was nothing but a drunken bear, its face and neck <laughs> carefully shaved, while the back and Whoa. top of its head were covered by a wig, ringlets, cap. <laughs> <laughs> That's more interesting to me than a pig-faced lady is a shaved, drunk bear. <laughs> is <Yeah>. way more. <laughs> Just had that it's horrific but wow yeah i mean what's a good old-fashioned story without some animal cruelty to just rob the chauvinism in <laughs> yes. um yeah uh, the animal was then securely tied in an upright position in a large armchair the cords being concealed by a shawl gown and other parts of a lady's fashionable dress and this wasn't just one guy that did this this was like happening all over so People mm. genuinely believed that these creatures existed. It wasn't just like some some stories. It was really a belief in like 200 years throughout all of Europe. I think 1924 is the last written document of pig-faced women being written down as like a factual creature. Right. <laughs> do any do any photographs exist? Like I'm sure there are posters from the from the day, but like are there is, are there photos of this bear thing, this bear con? Um, there's a lot of artistic photos, like there's a lot of drawings. Um, sure. Particularly, it's really interesting um, looking at pig-faced women artwork because there's so much artwork varying from like the 1600s up to like the early 20th century of pig-faced mm. women, like different depictions of the women, women of Manchester Square, um, how they were printed in the newspaper. They're really interesting to to look at. Right. Um, but yeah, drunken bears. I, I Surely you would have just gotten a pig, but I think, I know a shaved bear surprisingly looks like a pig. And I think it was right. just they could stand the up size. They could yeah. stand upright. And they, what they would do is they would get like the, and it was in a darkened room. I guess if you went into a darkened room and you believed that pig-faced women existed and you right. saw this creature in a dark room with like curly <laughs> hair. And you've paid money and you want to go and back to the money. village and tell people that you actually saw it. Oops. yeah yeah and they would have people ask questions and then poke it with a stick so it would respond so it was kind of like one <gasps> grunt yes two grunts no like it was a whole oh circus act <laughs> and you were saying that there's like a witch involved so was that that the story that they were cursed and then yeah so there's various different stories but there's one that kind of a lot of them have where it's usually the mother um, while they were pregnant was really rude to a beggar woman <laughs> okay yes who happens who happened to be a witch right. and then cursed the child to be a be a, have a pig face right That's and then uh, yeah it's fair enough you know <laughs> and then often times it would be the curse would be broken if they got married and then the husband would get to ch- would choose if the woman looks like a pig to him but looked like a beautiful woman to everyone else or looked like a beautiful woman to him <laughs> right but a pig to everyone else what a what a complex and moral curse but here's the <laughs> thing 
Mm. Here's the thing. The curse would be broken if the husband chose it was her decision. Then would the curse be broken. Oh, I see. So like in the, this this might be a a question that no one has the answer to, but I'm just curious, like in, in that folklore was the idea that like the witch would then come back and consult like when they, so like, let's say, let's say I'm a guy and I fall in love with a pig faced woman and I fall in love with her heart and let's say her money, I suppose, because they're all rich. Um, and when, once I get like engaged, does then someone show up and say like, look, you have a decision to make or do I they just so. know? Or like, where do they submit their decision? Do they just like the witch, claim it or? Yeah. I think the witch just appears. I'm. These are the earlier versions of the story in, involved mm. the, the marriage bit. The later ones, it's just more rich woman with a pig face. Right. Um, and I, I, I the pig face woman might know. She she would know. I'm taking away all of her power. She would probably know. But I don't know. I mean, she if she was cursed as a baby, I feel like her parents would know more. I mean, right, she, right, right. She, just, you know, I think about um, when my sister had a baby. <laughs> she mm. was massive. Like, she was a really big baby. She was like... 13 like twice the size of a normal newborn right so when she was a newborn baby she looked like three months old and I just remember my sister being like she doesn't know she's massive she just thinks she's a little newborn baby (laughs) so you know these women might not know that they're especially Mm -hmm. at a young age they just respond in grunts um yeah so whether these rumors originated as a means to explain deformities or to justify a woman of high standing, like high standing, still being unwed is hard to pin down. Like mm. these stories, some of them are based on real women. Some of them are completely fictional. Some of them kind of blur the lines between the two. We're going to be talking about Griselda Stevens, who was definitely a real woman in Dublin. Okay. And that the population believed was Dublin's pig faced lady. You know, if you do the various tours around Dublin, you'll go past the building and go, that's where Dublin's pig-faced lady lived. Mm. Um, what is that building? St. Uh, Dr. Stevens Hospital in Kilmainham. Ah. Big yellow building just beside yeah. Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's... Exactly where that is, yeah. yeah, exactly. So we're going to be talking about the history of that building. Um, so one thing that really bothered me when I researched Grizel is that I have five different spellings of her name. <laughs> and uh, like, uh, so we have Griselda with an S, Griselda with a Z, Grizel with a Z, Grizel with two L's and Grizel with an S. Mm. Um, so I personally call her Grizel because that's how she called herself in her own will. But it's worth noting that in her brother's will and her father's will, all three of them spell her name differently. Oh. <laughs> But I think this is just an old fashioned thing because, you know, she was born in the 1600s. So it might just be like people didn't really know how to spell properly. Sure. I don't know know why that is. Um, (laughs) But I call her Grizel with a Z and one L just for a matter of sake. Um, So Griselle Stevens and her twin brother Richard were born in 1653 in Wiltshire, England, their father being a royalist cleric. When the twins were infants, the family fled from Cromwell to Athlone in Ireland and their father ministered the church there. Uh, Richard went on to study in Trinity, back when only Protestant men could study in Trinity, and became a physician. 
Just to say, it really feels like the cleric and the physician should have known how to spell. It seems just <laughs> like I, I thought the same thing. I thought like, oh, well, they must have just not been uh, formally educated and didn't know how to read and write. But no, they just, they're very educated. Yeah, very, I feel like Griselda is her real name. And because Grisel is a nickname, then there's different mm. spellings of it. Sure, sure, sure. You know, like some people call me like Searsh instead of Searsha. So I'm not going to get mad if someone is texting Searsh and they spell it differently than how someone else might say Searsh. That's fair enough. That's fair. It's often, yeah, it's weird. Like there's loads of stuff in this story that really bother me because there's just stuff that I just don't understand or know and right. that I never will understand or <laughs> know. Um, so that, yeah, no, a very, very wealthy family, basically growing up on that loan. Her twin brother went off to become a doctor he never married. He had lots of money, but and he gave a lot to charity. He was a very charitable man because they were a very, obviously a very religious family. Their dad was um, a minister, and yeah. So the day before, so Richard Stevens passed away when he was fifty six, and Grizel was still unmarried and had no plans of marrying. So Richard made his will. He died, when Richard died very comfortably, he left his money to his friends, trustees and the poor, but the bulk of his money and his real estate was left to Grizel Stevens. In his will, he listed five trustees that were close friends with instructions that after Grizel's death, the remainder of the money be used to build Dublin's, well, Ireland's first volunteer-based hospital. So that's what that building used to be. It was Dublin's mm. first volunteer-based hospital. So um, for poor people in Dublin who couldn't afford healthcare, they could go and get treated for free. And so quite an admirable thing. Yeah. And Grizel Stevens didn't like the idea of this building being put off just because she was still alive. The idea being that like his money be used to have her live a good life. And then when she passed away, we, we build it. Then we can, yeah, that would be such a, a, a head fuck. Like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I want to stay alive and stay healthy, but maybe I'll have another pint of ice cream because it means that someone will get to be treated maybe a little sooner if I don't take good care of myself. You know? Yeah. And it was also, I guess she wanted to make sure, I guess she didn't trust that the will would be done because there's no other relatives there. There's no surviving relatives really. So she took it upon herself to make sure that this hospital got built. She wrote a lot of letters. She um, ended up living on the grounds. She gave her own income to it, wow. which is fascinating. Yeah. And um, yeah, she would continue to give money from her own private income. She wrote plenty of letters to all the prominent men in Ireland for support. She moved to the grounds of the site of the hospital to oversee the project. Eventually, the hospital was founded in 1720 after years of tireless effort and her own personal finances. Um, the hospital continued to grow and formally opened July 23rd, 1733. Although it was technically called Dr. Stevens Hospital, it was commonly referred to at the time as Madame Stevens Hospital. That's right. Grizel suffered from a light sensitivity disorder. I have no idea what kind, but she wore a veil over her eyes to cover the, cover that, to, co mm. to cover the sun, to block the sun. Um, and a lot of people took this as proof of her pig-faced condition. Oh, is, yeah, right. very, very sad. She was also reported to be a recluse, living alone on the hospital grounds and rarely leaving. Right. So I guess, you know, you have this wealthy woman who doesn't leave the grounds very often, who has a lot of money, who's not married, who wears a veil. They're mm. like, well, that's your only logical explanation there. I mean, I'll be honest, that when I heard about the veil and the light sensitivity, my first thought was like, oh, for sure she had a 
pig face. <laughs> like, like that's a, a brilliant ex- excuse for um, having a veil. Especially like if you live in a society where like your worth is totally deemed by how, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm too lazy to even complete the sentence. Like how, how good looking you are, how good of a partner you are as a woman. Like it would make sense to be like, well, I'm going to be effective by starting this hospital and doing all these things. And I just don't want to be bothered by people pointing and laughing at my weird face. So there's a good pro tip guys. If you have the face of a pig, (laughs) (laughs) well, I mean now we're proudly. So like with the, when did the root, do we know like when the rumors started about her having a pig face and do we have any idea like what that actually meant to them like if it was a birth deformity of the time that we wouldn't really see now um well it was no birth deformity she did she mm. had a completely normal face right okay. um, <laughs> I see. um yeah no she had a completely normal face um in terms of when the rumors started this is something that i find uh that I can't exactly pin down. Most of my research and most of the information that I got is from this, um, we'll find it here. Yeah, this Kirkpatrick book that was written in the 20s. Mm. And it's this mammoth of a book about the history. It's mainly stuff like, they spent this amount of money on this amount of wood so that they got the wood from this place. Um, <laughs> so in that, and in there, it obviously, that has to talk about the pig. It even says like, it'd be ridiculous to not talk about the rumors that da 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 da. And they said that none of the stories of Grizel having a pig face came from before her death. Oh, okay. But then a lot of other sources I found online contradicted that saying that it came from my understanding of it. I think that the rumor started towards the end of her life because she died when she was 93. So, wow. Yeah. And it was just very impressive in the 1700s. Yeah. No kidding. So I don't think she would have been, you know, she seemed kind of reclusive anyway. So I don't think she would have been Mm. out and about. And so I believe the rumors started then, but then it was only really after her death that it kind of exploded. Right. Um, But it, but again, it's stuff we don't really know. I liked, I hope that it wasn't during her lifetime. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. they're like, there's, because she lived in like a high up building on the hospital grounds and there's reports of passersby trying to get a glimpse of her. When in reality, she's probably just a, a, sh- a very shy woman. And if you're kind of shy and anxious anyway, and you have a bunch of people thinking that you have the face of a pig, that's just going to push you further away from society. Sure. So, so was it a matter of her just having because she had so much agency that that was threatening that and she wasn't married and that was also threatening that people are trying to explain that by saying that she has this deformity like there's something wrong with her because it's too much to be like oh no this woman is really effective with her money and she's essentially like responsible for this big great thing and yeah I think also that's part of it is it was such a big great thing it's kind of like well you're not just going to be do something nice just to be nice so there was a story, the story going around is it's back to a, back to a witch. So this is a common story that was put out. It's said that she was the product of a witch's curse after her mother rudely rejected a beggar woman while pregnant, that her charitable acts with the hospital were just an attempt to make up for her mother's sins. Aww. So, <laughs> so not only are you calling her, you know, 
a pig faced woman, but you are completely rejecting all the good things she did. I mean, it's a huge lesson in like, you can only like do, you can't do stuff for the approval of others, anything, because like, you're not gonna, people are gonna, you know, that's a very grim, pessimistic thing. (laughs) But, you know, you do do the right thing and do good things because they're good things and right things, not because you're going to get approval because you may not. Yeah. Uh, There are stories of crowds trying to catch a glimpse of her whenever she went out in her carriage, of abuse being hurled towards her apartment on the hospital grounds. There are reports of Griselle sitting out on the balcony of her apartment to basically like, look at me. I don't, there's no pig face here. Um, As well as commissioning a self-portrait of herself in the hospital main hall, which is still there. Oh, cool. Um, It's a big oil painting. And the thing is, is most people saw that as more proof that she had the... (laughs) She can't win. Yeah, because it's basically like, well, if you are, you're going to all this effort, you know, to show that you don't have a pig face, which means you must have a pig face if you're... (laughs) So, so they th- people uh, thought the painting was just to like disprove it because it's like, well, that's just a painting of her. You can paint anything, right? God, yeah. Uh, local businesses profited greatly from the rumor. A uh, local pub would proudly display a silver trowel that she said she ate out of and had a painting that they said was the true painting of Grizel, which was a pig faced painting, right? Beside it. Um, after her death, the hospital itself even tried to profit from the rumor, displaying the silver trowel that they got from the bar a few years later, as well as a plaster pig's face cast. And you would have people from the public coming in and being like, can we see the the trowel? <laughs> what do you do you have what bar it was that had the- I don't. I don't. I tried to figure I tried to figure that that out. Um, but I, I used to live right over there and I was curious if it was like um the Royal Oak or one of those very old pubs. I don't think it's open anymore. I don't think mm. it's still a, still a current pub. Um, it's because it would have been in the 1700s. So when the right. bar um, shut down, the hospital took the silver trowel that they use and basically used to profit off of it, which I think is a rather poor taste and not of great respect yeah. to the person who set up your hospital. Yeah, that's so strange. <laughs> Uh, so yeah and that the the cast of the pig's face in the hospital stayed up for over a hundred years after her death so she's like that's her legacy and um, even today the only knowledge of Griselle Stevens is not of the woman who set up Dublin's first volunteer-based hospital but the story of Dublin's pig face lady discrediting all the great volunteer work she did wow so why do you yeah. why, why was she so why why <laughs> <laughs> why was she why? controlled? Like, why Why did people dislike her out of boredom? Or was like there, was it resentment for her money? Or why did people like shitting on her so much? I think it's a couple of things. Um, I think a lot of it is to do with just the nature of rumors. And, you know, people mm-hmm. hear one story and they cling to it. And also you have to understand the time. Like, pig face women where people genuinely believed that these creatures existed you know they're going they they went to their local carnival and they saw a shaved bear and they hear these stories um you know there's they're cropping up all over europe you know in newspapers of like wealthy pig face women and so they so they they see a rich woman who is not married mm. they don't see her 
leave the hospital very often. When they do see her, she has a veil over her face. It kind of is just makes sense. Mm. And she's described a lot as being uh, quite reclusive and not really a very social person. Um, my personal kind of thing is I think, you know, maybe there's some sort of, you know, just like social awkwardness or some form of anxiety that she just, which is, it just bothers me that I don't know. You know, all mm-hmm. of this is speculation um, because there isn't that much information on her. It's all like most of the information is just all these rumors about the story of how she had, had a pick was it's hard to actually get the facts straight right um yeah oh sorry is she no you buried at the hospital um i was actually just about to say this because this really bothers me uh griselle lived and supported the hospital right up until her death at 93 and she never married she died march 18th in 1746 or 47 one of those two years Mm. because it's old and yeah Uh, She didn't ask for much in her will. A lot of her money was left to her servant, Margaret Stevenson. Um, And this is, yeah. So, yeah. And then again, like maybe there's something there. Yeah. No, I don't know. (laughs) No one. (laughs) I mean, I would love to just, seeing as like we don't know all the facts, I definitely will walk away from this conversation with a lesbian love story (laughs) in my head, just hoping that she was happy on her own and she like almost played up the pig face thing but with the veil because she wanted to distract from her lesbianism that'd be cool yeah that's that's also like again a a credible theory one that's not really talked about a lot but one if looking at the facts I feel like is definitely possible Mm. um but then again maybe not don't know there's no information I I don't want to just assume people's sexualities especially you know when they've been dead for hundreds of years but it's yeah. that's a fair point. <laughs> I all like it's I think it's the I, I can be overly um depending on my mood, and this is an obnoxious <laughs> thing to say, but I am like a like a embarrassingly empathetic person when I'm reading stories, and I think especially now because of everything that's going on in the world, and I know that a lot of the way that I handle hearing really sad stories about especially like women from that time and before and men, like I just always in my heart, I'm like, well, they were gay and they lived a a secret as as much as they could. They did have love in their lives. But yeah, who who knows? But sorry, I interrupted you. You were talking about her. No, um, no, it's definitely, definitely I I think, and I think as well, like, because you're a writer, I think that's natural when you hear these stories. It's just part to like want to fill in the blanks. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wrote a whole play about it. And ethically, I kind of struggled with a lot of things because I was kind of like, well, mm. I need to make it a good story. Mm-hmm. But I also feel bad assuming because this was a real, a real person. Yeah. Um. So it's it's hard to strike that balance when you're dealing with real real issues especially when you have no one that you can talk to like with a lot of modern history there's a lot more information so you can get your facts mm-hmm. down or you can talk to a living relative so they could at least tell you if they would approve of this of the story if they approve it or not whereas something like this it was so long ago there's no lot living relatives there's just nothing but just these small little hints mm. 
Um, so here's a small extract from her will. My body I commit to the earth to be dis dis uh, decently buried late at night in as private a manner as possible in St. Peter's Church, Dublin, to lay near my late mother and brother, Richard Stevens. So she didn't even want a funeral. She wanted to be buried in the middle of the night with no one around. I mean, see, now we're back to suspecting the pig face. I, <laughs> I mean, is it, I mean, she must, uh, I need to see this oil painting. I mean, I know that she didn't have an actual pig face, but I feel like there's like a big missing piece here that's either her just a big missing piece in the way that she saw herself as in like was she hiding herself or did she benefit in some way by that but but you're saying people didn't talk about we don't know if she knew about those rumors until like when she was alive we don't know yeah I I have conflicting sources on that why would someone who went to get buried in the dead of night first of all that's creepy <laughs> it's just scary well late at night not the dead of night late okay that's fair enough but you know hmm. or she could have just been was she she must have been a very very religious person and depending on the way that you practice your religion she could be so humble that she didn't want she, she was just looking for a very humble sort of pauper-esque funeral. Yeah, I think that's also very credible. Like most of her money she left to the hospital and to charity. I feel like it also could have been, you know, she didn't want a whole kerfuffle if the rumors did exist. She didn't want people to, mm. to see her. Right. Um, yeah. My own kind of interpretation of the character, um, which again, I have no idea. I've kind of speculated this is I kind of, I see her as a woman who was very shy, maybe some form of like anxiety. Um, I mean, if she had the light sensitivity issue, she probably didn't like being outside a lot anyway. And if you had that as a child, that probably would have given you a lot of your own insecurity. Mm. Um, she obviously, and she was a twin. And I'm, I mean, I'm not a twin, um, but I know that is like, uh, you hear talk of like there being a very a bond there mm -hmm. so you know not having any of your parents and then losing your twin brother um I say it was really rough and then you know if you're kind of a rich unmarried woman excluding all the pig stuff with any form of agency because she wrote a lot of the letters her she wrote she wrote a lot of letters uh Jonathan Swift um donated money and was one of the trustees mm -hmm. for the thing as well um, you know, she, there's, I read correspondence of letters between her and William King, who was the Archbishop of Dublin at the time, who thought she was great being like, this is fantastic what you're doing. Um, a lot of Richard, her brother's close friends would kind of, you know, keep in contact with her and everything. But I, I just see her as a very, very lonely. So I, I hope, I hope you're, um, gay story with margaret stevenson is actually the case that's much <laughs> yeah well it very i mean it the her leaving money to her at least signifies that she had that close friendship bond that, and friendship or you know with, yeah. uh, whether or not it was romantic like at least she had someone there that's yeah so sad wait you said her brother richard never married as well right yeah that's 
that's interesting, isn't it? That like they both, do we know, do we have any like paintings of him or like what he <laughs> looked like or that's a weird question to ask, but I just, uh, was he also a pig? Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm past, I'm past the, it feels so, it feels like, uh, it feels so like mean and bullying to speculate about someone looking like a pig. I also, I love, I love, pigs uh and I think there are plenty of people who kind of look like pigs that are still good looking people but um which is a (laughs) dumb disclaimer but it's it's curious that like they both are so well off and both were unmarried you know I mean he 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 could also have um not been interested in marrying a woman which would, would have been his only option at the time mm. I just think it's 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 interesting isn't it like both both kids not marrying yeah well it's also time. important to note that like he was from what the what I understood was very much a workaholic in terms of his like medicine and physician and he when he because he grew up in Athlone and there's a lot of reports of him just not really being able to handle how awful Dublin was just Mm. in terms of like the slums and everything that was, that was going on. I I kind of get the understanding that that they lived a very sheltered life. Mm. um, Like they lived a very sheltered life and a very privileged life, but it also, there was a lot of love between them as a family unit that kind of being exposed to, you know, the excess negativity of, you know, because Dublin was really not in a good place at the time um yeah like he'd been wanting to build this hospital for a really really long time and even during his life donated most of his money to charity Hmm. so it wasn't just something he wrote in his will it was like an active pursuit that's so that's so admirable that like they gave so much to a city that was not very receptive to to them like like was very cruel to them personally even though he like he hated Dublin and what still wanted to help the people that's very yeah but I haven't told you the thing that annoys me the most about this whole story Uh um so no I read I'm just gonna read out the will again okay in as private a manner as possible in St. Peter's Church Dublin to lay near my late mother and brother she was buried alone in St. James's Cemetery and I could not find any reason why. Whoa. Like that was <laughs> just awful. said. It's awful. And it was just said like offhand in a in a comment in like that massive book. And I was just like, right. why was she buried here? And I, I can't find, there's no logical explanation for it. Well, it must be, I mean, if she died at 93, like the, the people who make sure that your will is followed and the executor of your will is like your surviving family. So if she didn't have surviving family and if margaret wasn't there looking out for her um then you know they could have just pocketed the money and i suppose but it was such a simple request like she didn't ask for that much in her will it was kind of like the only thing yeah and there was there was space there and i just don't know why that's so strange like and you think someone who, you know, built, you know, a volunteer-based hospital who did so much for 
the city that even if she didn't mm-hmm. have any surviving relatives, like there was doctors that worked, like she still lived on the grounds, um, that there were doctors there that maybe would have upheld it. Um, that's the mystery that bothers me the most. Mm. Um, St. Stephen's Hospital closed in 1973 and now stands as an office headquarters for the HSE, as well as housing the still functioning Edward Worth Library with priceless historical medical textbooks. Hmm. So the building still exists, but it's essentially empty and it has all these empty books. So yeah, that's, that's it. That's all the kind of information I have. I just think it's insane that no one really knows this story. I mean, pig faced women in general, that mythology, it was such a big part of European folklore and culture, but it kind of just, disappeared it was like so strong for 200 years yeah. and then it disappeared until christina ricky came along <laughs> yeah, my my guess is uh photography probably <laughs> um, helps uh, uh disappear the the myth of pig-faced women i think i've been thinking about a lot a lot lately because because we're in the pandemic and like we you know decide what we take in and we're not really mixing in public with people so we get to really decide our own experience and then I think about like pre-photography and pre any of these things like you could just you could just tell people anything you could like you you, or like you didn't have an explanation for things like it wasn't it wasn't until the ancient Greeks like I mean well that was a very long time ago but someone had to literally say at one point um that diseases occurred naturally like there is a there's a whole like half of human history people thought all diseases came from curses and spirits and gods and witches and everything so and then they thought it came from smells oh really i didn't know that yeah i know with the with the plague um you know those big scary right yeah yeah um you know it is it isn't yeah they thought it came from smells during the plague which kind of makes sense because poor hygiene means you don't things don't smell things but it also meant that those masks just had nice smelling flowers in them so they thought that smelling the flowers and the nice things would would keep things away um but yeah i think you're definitely right photography definitely has something but even still i think of this story and i think one thing that i'm so drawn to about it and one thing i like do a lot in in my play about it is just the human condition how people latch on to like such a ridiculous rumor instead of the reality and mm. even like in personal experiences um which i'm sure you can relate to or know this as well it's just like people are much more willing to believe one negative rumor than they are like loads of really good stuff that happens yeah or it's, more and- more interested in the negativity for sure yeah and I think it's just the way we're conditioned as well like you can hear like a hundred good comments about yourself and then someone says one bad thing and that's the thing you focus in on Mm -hmm. so I think it's also an element of that of that like you hear all these great stuff and it's like she had the face of a pig and that's what people decide to focus (laughs) on well yeah yeah for sure well and it's a fun thing to believe in like aside from like how horrific it was for her like I I want to live in a world where people could be um like anthropomorphized animals like that's like if there was a rabbit man like the rabbit man who cuts your hair like that would be a cool existence cool world yeah (laughs) yeah but it's also it's also like 
it's in it is interesting because a lot of these rumors you know they're they're kind of they're kind of fun like let's go to the carnival and see this shaved bear like i see but most of the time they were just jokes in newspapers so someone like right. writing up this joke article that like like a hoax that like a lot of people believed um but in this instance it's something like a rumor that led to like very much damaging the reputation of a very real person Oh yeah, no. It's all very. I mean, I I, I definitely don't want to live in a world where people are just saying this like a like a false thing about <laughs> someone having a pig face. Yeah, all that stuff is so mean spirited. It's it it's it reinforces like sideshows and all that. It reinforces this idea that there's one type of ideal person. That's why the story of the greatest showman is so incredibly fraught. Oh, like it's so awful. <laughs> Though I. I do enjoy, I did, I, Jordan, my partner, and I watched it a couple of weeks ago, and I did really enjoy watching it. But the it is so the whole idea of it is so problematic and ridiculous. Yeah, I definitely I remember when it came out. I was thinking, I was thinking that as well. And again, I watched it. I enjoyed it. You yeah. know, love me, love me some Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. I I did cry watching it, um, but I cry a lot anyway. Um, <laughs> But I did like some some research with that as well because it does tie into like the the freak show because that's very much mm-hmm. the same kind of thing and it's really like I find Peter Martin very interesting because like there's a lot of very awful awful things like there was this woman that he claimed was the 106 year old wet nurse of George Washington but really she was you know much younger than that and he just knocked out all her teeth to make her look older. Uh, no well it's uh, the whole spirit of, like that movie is so it's so it's so laughable because the movie would have you believe that um that pt barnum is like ah let's celebrate our differences but was like no absolutely not that was not the sentiment at all he was preying on people's fear of different sorts of people and selling tickets and taking advantage of people yeah. who couldn't get work otherwise but, yeah but that's that's the thing is it's like people that like definitely he was taking advantage but then at that time a lot of those people wouldn't have any other option so is it better to go off and work and be exploited than to than the alternative at the time it's a very moral gray area I mean I'd say as the person like for him because he basically created like what was was such a big part of that movement that it in the end wasn't great because he made people associate people with differences as entertainment for people who weren't different yeah I see what you're saying so it's like the the spur yeah I mean I'm sure like you know he I'm not saying that he was horrible to everybody who worked for him and that those individuals didn't benefit but like as far as contributing to the culture negatively I'd say more negative than yeah yeah who who knows maybe he was actually great (laughs) no no I I I definitely think he was a terrible terrible human being (laughs) he's one of those people that I feel like I know now and they're they're the people that you hate you know like they're the they're the people that are uh really successful entrepreneurs Mm. you know and I think it's more like seeing an opportunity it's more like oh, people are fascinated by these weird stories. And as I said, it's all around the same time as pig-faced women. So 
one thing that he would do is he would create these whole stories about mm. them. And, you know, I, you know, I'm sure he had a shaved bear somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Like the, the opening, the opening scene of uh, my play that I wrote all about this is in that world is that PJ Barnum character with all these different creatures. Cause it's, it's feeding on people's need for desire and people's need for like explaining the unknown especially back then people didn't understand anything so yeah it's what's preying on people's fears as well it's like picking at that scab of like wait there's a there's a hundred there's a woman who's 160 years old like that's a little scary in a way yeah so yeah that's that's it uh thank you so much for coming coming on I hope yeah, you found it interesting. Yeah. So the main purpose of, you know, this podcast in particular and, you know, a, a lot of like the why I wrote this play is because I think Griselle Stevens is a remarkable woman who built, you know, a volunteer-based hospital in Dublin. And I want that story to be told more than the pig-faced one because that's, sure. if you Google Griselle Stevens, it's just, stuff about her having a pig face and there's none nothing about her life um so I hope that people can at least get that from it at least that's mad that someone did this great thing and she had and people believed the other um so yeah. if you want to uh plug plug away sure well I I would like to plug visiting the site of that old hospital which I definitely will be doing because I want to check that out and maybe try to find her grave um yeah we at Mob Theatre Dublin we have ongoing writing classes that are happening over Zoom and those have been really fun and they're um pay what you can we have a new sketch 101 class that's starting up in a couple of weeks uh and that's uh or depending on when this airs just go to mobtheatre.ie There'll be something. (laughs) Yeah. Sketch writing, TV writing, and screenwriting we've been doing. So I did uh, one of the movie writing courses, and it was such a good just structure. Erin did a great job at making some sort of structure during this crazy time. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, it was was great. Um, I'm actually doing a rehearsed reading of the play I wrote, all based on the history of this. Yeah. On the 23rd of November. So if you'd like to, to see that, it's completely free on YouTube live, which I stole from what you guys were doing at mob because that's such yeah, a cool yeah. way of doing it. Yeah. So if you heard all that and thought that was interesting and thought, I wonder what kind of weird play, what kind of weird play would be written about that? <laughs> well, we, I have someone doing uh, live music for it. So that's going to be really exciting and cool. it's completely free. So you can go to screenforireland.com and all of the links should be flashing there for you to, for you to click on. Um, so as I've been Saoirse Shanae and you can follow me at Saoirse Ball on Twitter. That's it. Check out Screen for Ireland. This has been Absurd Real History. And yes, yeah. bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Erin. Thank you.